Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. My name is Ismael San Juan and this is episode number eight. Eight episodes. Thank you guys so much for being here. This is your first time tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Uh, today's Wednesday, September 30th. Game one of the NBA Finals is today. I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's been a long season. There's been a lot of, you know, crazy stuff happening. Season got postponed. Just wild, wild. Like, unprecedented season. It's finally going to wrap up. We got, hopefully, some good final games coming up. Um, Week three of the NFL finished up. Some crazy games. Falcons, my God, the Falcons. We'll talk about the Falcons. We'll talk about how the Chiefs are super dominant. They look like they're going to repeat they just trash the ravens also we're going to talk about epl week three the two favorites liverpool and city it looks like they're starting off their season a little different liverpool looked dominant against arsenal they look like a like a great team great team again i feel like they're hitting the stride again and then city city got trashed by leicester 5-2 I mean, Leicester kind of do this once once a season. They, like, really destroy a team. Last year, they beat somebody, like, 8-1 or 8-2. Maybe 8-0. I forgot what team it was. I think they got relegated. Or no, I think they actually finished pretty good. It might have been... I forgot who it was, but I digress. It doesn't matter. Leicester trashed City. City are already six points behind Liverpool. They do have one game that they haven't played, so... I feel like they'll be like three points behind them, but and I feel like the EPL race is going to be very, very tight. Liverpool's not going to drop many, many points, so for them to already have a three-point advantage, it's great for them. So yeah, just a great weekend of sports. It's Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. We're almost at the weekend. We're almost the weekend. Like right now, when all these leagues are going on, there's just so much sports to consume right now. It's just it could be a little overwhelming if you're a sports fan for multiple multiple like sports but i mean you can't really complain it's 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 sports it's not that hard to watch but like i said today is wednesday september 30th game one of the nba finals is today lakers versus heat um i am a laker fan so i'm very happy that they're in the finals i'm still disappointed that we didn't get to see a lakers clippers game i'm st- Lakers, Lakers series, Clippers versus Lakers series. I'm still disappointed that the Bucks are not in the other, on the other uh, conference. I'm upset they didn't come out of the East. I wanted to see Giannis versus LeBron <clears throat> in the NBA Finals. That would have been fun, uh, especially when after he crowned himself the King after a regular season win. I think those are the two final matchups or playoff matchups that I was looking forward to the most. And unfortunately, they didn't they didn't come through, but. The Heat are a good team. They're coached really well by uh, Coach Spolstra. They have a super, really good young player in Bam Abadayo. They have Jimmy Butler, who's a dog. He's super feisty. He, he's just competitive. He was labeled a, like a locker room cancer before. But, I mean, he was with the Sixers. He was with the Wolves. He was with the Bulls. And we all know those are not the best ran um, franchises, like the Bulls. Since Jordan left, they haven't won anything. It looks like they're a mess. The Wolves, obviously, like, they had Kevin Garnett back in the day, and they could never build a team around him. He left them. And the Sixers, like, trust the process, tanking, like, and they got nothing going, showing for that. 
So looking back, it was obviously not Jimmy Butler's fault. It was it was the franchise's fault. Whoever built that culture and those teams couldn't handle Jimmy Butler. Now he's in a good culture. He's in a good team like the Heat, well-ran franchise. And then they're in the finals. So that's a really feel-good story. Shout-out to Jimmy. Great player. Super. He's a great player. He's a better competitor. He's just always wants to leave it all on the court. He's he's just a really good player. Anybody would like to have, any competitive team would like to have Jimmy Butler on their team. But um, the Heat don't have a chance. Like, if I'm being honest, how much of a chance do I give the Heat to win this series? Close to none. Like, 10, 10% maybe. Um, I see the Lakers winning in six, maybe five. Like, I, like I've always said, I've always said this. In the playoffs, superstar talent wins over depth. Like, the depth is more useful it's better in in the regular season because it's a it's a long season you need to like you know space out your team's minutes rotations are longer you you get like 10 people playing per game in the playoffs your rotation gets smaller you only really play like seven or eight players so you just need like two or three to really carry those eight um but that being said the heat have depth but they have quality depth too. They have a lot of good players. If if you were to make a list of the best players in the series, Lakers and Heat combined, it would be LeBron, AD, and then it'll be like five or six Heat players, and then you'll be able to slot like the next Laker player. So I think it would be like LeBron, AD, and then you could put Bam, Bam Adebayo, and then Jimmy Butler, and then Drogic, Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson, and then after Duncan Robinson, that's when you could like put maybe Kuz or Rondo or um, Dwight or Caruso. That's when you could probably start slotting them in. But I mean, is 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 are those five players, six players between AD and whoever the third best player for the Lakers? Whoever I mean, it switches. It's not like a concrete. It should be Kuz, but it's not really, like, always him. So whoever you want to slot in as the third best Laker player, do those five or six Heat players have enough to make up for the two superstar superstar talents that AD and uh, AD and LeBron um, bring? Uh, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think they have enough. Like, they need they need someone. And then, like, even Bam is a great player, but the difference between AD and Bam. It's still like pretty big. It's it's not that close. So I just need like even if if Bomb was a little better, if he was closer to AD, and then you have the next five players being Heat players in that list, then I think they have a chance. But it's like LeBron, AD, you know, a little gap or like a significant gap, and then it's Bam, and then it's Jimmy or Jimmy, like whoever you want to put that's the number one player in the Heat. There's a gap between them and AD. So how do you make up for that talent gap? Great coaching. They do have a great coach, Coach Bolstra. He's a, he won he actually won two rings with uh with LeBron. Uh he hasn't been able to win one since he left, but that's 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 not his fault. It's natural. Once LeBron leaves, you know, 
He's he's actually the only head coach that hasn't gotten fired since LeBron leaves that franchise. When he left Cleveland, the head coach got fired. He went to Miami. Spoelstra's still there. He went to Cleveland. Tyron Lewis no longer there. He's fired. He's a he's an assistant head coach for the for the Clippers. He might get promoted now that Doc Rivers got fired, but we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But I think it just shows how how good of a coach Spoelstra is that LeBron was able to leave the Heat and he's still there. He brings them to the finals. Shout out Spoelstra, great head coach. Um, do I think he's enough to level out the playing field? I don't. It's just two superstar talents from that magnitude. Two first-team All-NBA players, which is crazy. Two first-NBA, first-team All-NBA. I should say uh, there, there can only be five first-teamers, and the Lakers have two. That's That speaks in it of itself. And not even, like, they're not just on the team together. They have great chemistry. They're always talking to each other. It looks like they just gel really, really good. And if LeBron's having an off game or an off quarter, because he doesn't really have off games anymore, he just have, like, maybe, like, off quarters, AD steps right in, takes over. He, he doesn't mind just taking – give the ball to AD and score, score. In the post, he could shoot. He's pretty he's, – he's been hitting lights out from the mid-range and the three in the playoffs. If I were to give the Heat anything, I'd say that they do have some wing defenders that they could throw at LeBron more than probably any team in the league other than the Clippers. But I mean, the Clippers are gone. But um, they have Jimmy Butler, they have uh, uh, Crowder, they have Iguodala, and then they have Bam, and all all three of those are wing defenders, and then their center Bam could like do a decent job in on LeBron. Jimmy Butler, you know, he's a great defender. He's a little small for LeBron, but he, he's he's tough. I'm sure he'll give him like he'll give his best effort and he'll at least like bother him a little bit. Crowder, he's he's probably the biggest of their wing defenders. He's he's pretty stout, he's strong. Um I he could he could potentially, you know, give LeBron some trouble. Iggy, Iggy kind of coined the term of a LeBron stopper. Like before, before Kawhi, or like around the same time, but he's getting old. But he could probably give you some minutes where he gives LeBron some trouble, and then bam, he's a center. But he's really, really uh, quick on his feet. He could switch onto LeBron. Like if I was a Heat, I, and I, if I'm not running the zone, like if you're running the zone, it's kind of hard to like pick who's who's gonna be guarding AD and uh and LeBron. But if if I'm the Heat and I go into man. And the Lakers do a pick and roll with LeBron and AD. I want Jimmy Butler and I want uh, Bam Abdayo defending either one. It doesn't matter who's guarding which. But when once they force the switch, and and then you switch like Jimmy onto LeBron, and then you put Bam on AD, then you don't feel too bad. Or if it's the other way around, if you force the switch and Bam goes into LeBron and Jimmy covers AD. I feel like that's your best bet because Jimmy, Jimmy's strong. Jimmy, if AD gets the ball on the block with Jimmy defending him, like it's not an automatic bucket for AD. So that's what I would do. I would always have like my two best players guarding their two best players. And the good thing about the Heat is uh, like a lot of teams, they don't want to have like their stars or their superstar guarding like the other team's best players just because they want to save them on offense. Like they're, they're like, should we sacrifice you on defense 
in in order to stop or or slow down the other team's best players. But then if we do that, like we're kind of sacrificing you on the offensive side. Like you're not gonna be able to score buckets that we need to stay in this game. The the Heat the Heat don't need um the Heat aren't solely dependent on on Bomb and uh, Jimmy getting their buckets. Jimmy could have 13 points and they could still win. Maybe that's not true against the Heat, but that happened against the Celtics and they still win. So, like, they could still get their points from Dodgic. Dodgic Dodgic could give them 20 to maybe 30. Probably on that 26 sweet spot is what he's going to be giving them. Or, like, under, 26 and under. Tyler Hero, we saw him go off against the Celtics. He scored, what, 37, I think, on game three or game four. Um, so, you know, he, he could at least give him another 20, 25 consistently, probably 20 consistently. And then uh, Duncan Robinson could go off, and he could get you, like, another 20. And then, you know, just in the flow of the game, Jimmy will get, like, minimum 13 to 15 points and bomb, like, just on putbacks and just being a center. You don't have to really run offense for him. He'll he'll get his 15, and then right there you, you got your you got your points. So so it's not like a crazy idea to just be like you know what bomb and Jimmy just let the offense come to you whatever like whatever happens on the offensive side it's is cool just focus on stopping AD and LeBron and then on offense we'll figure it out I think that's a that's very much in the like in the cards that could definitely be something Spoiler tells them like all right you know what like we gotta stop him we gotta slow him down for us to have a chance. And you guys might be able to just defer the offense to the other guys. And if that doesn't work, then we could try, like, a more team-oriented defense and then, you know, try to get Jimmy his buckets or get uh, Bomb his buckets. But <clears throat> that's that's the that's the way I could see the, the Heat, you know, having a chance in the series. Um, they do have a 2-3 zone that they could deploy. It worked against the Celtics pretty, pretty good. There's only, like, a couple instances where the Celtics were able were actually able to, like, you know, collapse the defense and get like open shots. I don't think I don't think it'll work that well against against LeBron and the Lakers just because LeBron is a very, very, very smart player and he usually has feel out games like game one. He'll like kinda like not throw the game but just you know, kinda coast and see what the other team's throwing at him and then adjust from there. So if he does that, I feel like by game two, he'll have the zone figured out and he'll just dissect it. He'll just, you know, he'll know what to do. He'll know how to draw that double team. He'll know how to penetrate the zone, collapse the zone, and find the open shooter. Um, I was watching uh, First Things First, and I saw Chris Broussard break down how he thinks the Heat could beat the Lakers. And he basically said that the Heat, the Heat are a good team, but... They can't really beat the Lakers. The only way that they have a chance is if the Lakers beat themselves. I agree with that. Like, like he mentions that the Lakers have to miss. They have to go cold from three, which they can. And they have to miss their free throws, which they can, because Lakers, unfortunately, were still one of the worst free throw teams in the league. And we just turnovers, free throws, and missing our threes. That's what he said. Like, if the Lakers do those three things, those three things, and the Heat are playing good basketball, then they have a chance. And I, I agree, but I just I just hope, or I'm pretty, like, confident that the Lakers are not going to go, like, really, really, like, cold from three like they did, like, in, in the opening games. I feel like they found their rhythm. And turnovers, I mean, 
the Lakers aren't like known for having too too many turnovers. They they do have like their odd game where they have like a lot of turnovers, but for the most part they know how to keep the ball and keep possession. And free throws, free throws hurt you a lot. They they'll keep teams in the game. So that one that one does ball that one. If the Lakers are concerned about one thing, it would it would be the free throws. Um, and Spolstra Spolstra is a good head coach, so he might he might just start hacking. Like don't 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 think he won't do that. Like if if the game's close, <laughs> it's he could just start hacking Rondo or or whoever Kuz or because Kuz is not that good of a free throw. Even LeBron, he might just get in LeBron's head. He did coach him. He's seen him in practice. He might just have the audacity to do a hack of LeBron and then just see if LeBron is able to do it. I don't think he will do that, but you never know. It's the finals. But very excited. We're like, it's uh, 11.32. I think tip-off is at 5.30 or 6. So I'm very excited. It's game one of the NBA finals. Weird, weird season. It's finally going to wrap up. The Lakers, after 10 years, are back in the finals. Uh they are the heavy favorites. It does look like uh, they should be able to win. I know LA really needs a win. Like they've had a rough last couple years with just like you know a lot of their icons dying, like R.I.P. Kobe, and it's just they they really need this win. You know they really as a city, I feel like they need it. Um, they've been hit hard this last couple years, and hopefully the Lakers are able to bring them some joy. And for and then just even regular fans like myself, I'm from San Diego. I'm not from L.A., but I am a Laker fan. I've been a Laker fan for a while, so it's been a it's been a rough it's been a rough uh, you know ten years since the last final. It's been a rough like what, seven years since the last playoffs. It's just I know I know we're blessed because there's like teams that go 50 years without winning nothing or really having a chance to be contenders. But I mean. Hopefully they're able to uh, win the chip and we can celebrate while maintaining social distance. Um, but yeah, uh, NBA Finals should be should be good. If you guys aren't tuning in, I hope you guys tune in. It's gonna be a great Finals. It's gonna be fun. Um, unfortunate that there's no fans could be at attendance. Miami and LA would have been fun, but what can you do? We're in a pandemic, and uh, hopefully, you know. It doesn't linger into next season where it would be at the games. But I wanted to just uh, move on from basketball. There's only the NBA season's wrapping up, so there's not there's not too much uh, else to talk about. I mean, I could talk about Doc getting fired, but are we really surprised that he's gone after you know the collapse that happened? So let's just get into uh, the NFL season. Week two is in the books. We had a lot of great games. Um, I'll put the scores up right here for, like, the the week two games. Uh, just so you can see the scores and I don't have to go through them. But there is there is a, there is a some games I want to go through and um, from week two. Or week three, I, my, my apologies. Um, Rams versus Bills, great game. Bills were able to hold on and win 35-32. to 32. Great game. Um, Titans versus Vikings, another great game. Titans won 31-30. Vikings fall to 0-3. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, Bears versus Falcons. My God, the Falcons. What's going on with the Falcons? Like, I feel so bad for their fans. We'll talk about that. Uh, the Cowboys lost to the Seahawks. Um, 
Russell Wilson, he's amazing. He's a great quarterback. Packers versus Saints, 37-30 Packers. Another good game, Sunday Night Football. It was a great game. Uh, Drew Brees is kind of looking old, so if you're a Saints fan, it's not looking that well. Um, Chiefs versus Ravens on Monday night. That was a that was kind of a shock to me. I thought it was gonna be a closer game, and the Chiefs uh, the Chiefs just handled the Ravens pretty convincingly. So uh, I do feel like the the um, the Ravens should make a trade. I'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the games that really stood out to me on Week Three of the NFL. Um, we're already heading towards week four, which is crazy. NFL season is flying by. I feel like it just got here and now we're already in week four, which would be like a quarter through the season. But yeah, let's talk about the, let's talk about the Rams and the Bills. It was a great game. Um, it's usually hard for West Coast teams to go to the East Coast and and play that, that 10 a.m. or the 1 p.m. on on the East Coast or the 10 a.m. here in the West Coast. But the the Rams are actually one of the best team, one of the better teams to travel across the country and do that. And I think maybe you could you could uh, their slow start that they had, you could point it to like you know, the time difference and waking up really early, your clock not being right. So the Bills took a took a commanding lead, and then I think they blew it. They blew that lead. I think it was twenty eight to three lead that the Bills had, or twenty eight to six, one of those two. And then the Rams just march back. They take a lead. They lead like 32-30. Uh, 32-30. Or 32-28 with like a two minutes, three minutes left. And then the Bills drive down the drive down the field. And then they get the go-ahead touchdown to win 35-32. Great game. Uh, a little bit of controversy at the end. They called the pass interference against the Rams. That kept like the drive... Um, get the drive going for the for the Bills to get the the game winning touchdown. Tacky um if he call, he could go both ways. I uh, I don't I don't really have a problem with the call, but I could see if you were a Rams fan, you're like, "Man, is that really passing interference?" He did kind of hold them, but they were both kind of holding each other. I do believe like the the Rams player initiated the contact. Some takeaways I got from that game, like everyone everyone uh everyone I seen like videos on YouTube or like just around the web, everybody's giving Josh Allen like a lot of credit for having like a great season, like before week three. And uh, I mean, I, I agree. I have him on two of my fantasy leagues, so having him has been like a pleasure. He, he gets points and he's getting it done. But he did play like two kind of mediocre teams in the first two weeks, so I was kind of like I was ready to hop on the bandwagon, but like not quite because I wanted to see him do it against like a better team. And the Rams, I thought the Rams were going to be a bad team this year, but they're, they're surprising me, and I do consider them a good team, like, right now and going forward. So for the Bills to beat the Rams, it, it does show that the Bills, you know, they're they're legit. They're going to be, like, in the playoffs. They're going to be a strong team. And and Josh Allen, for the most part, had a, had a good game. I think he had, like, four total touchdowns. He looked good. The thing about Josh Allen though is that he makes he makes like rash decisions. Like he never knows how to just take a sack, which which is probably like one of his strong points in his games, like the fact that he doesn't give up. But it's also like one of his weaknesses. Like, he threw an interception where he he like escaped the pocket and then he just threw it up, and then it got picked off, and that was just like a vintage like Josh Allen, like 
turnover. Like, you saw him, like, escape, extend extend the play, and then, like, great. Like, you evaded a sack. You, you know, you didn't lose yards. Like, good for you for, like, not taking a bad play. And then, like, once once you evade a bad play, like, what should you do? Like, you should – usually when once you do that, like, that's, that's how a lot of big plays happen. Like, you – you extend the play, you get out of a tough situation, and now since it's been like six seconds since you snapped the ball, it's harder for, you know, cornerbacks to keep up with their wide receivers. So now you could make big big plays. But if it's not there, it's not there. You know, a lot of good quarterbacks that have escapability, like even after they escape a sack or they get around a defender, if it's not there, they'll just like, all right, just throw it away. Like the good play is that I avoided a sack. Like I don't have to force and an extra good good play on top on top of evading the sack. And I feel like that's where Josh Allen is like uh he still needs to, you know, get it through his head that escaping a sack is good enough. And like if you have more downs, then you could just throw it away and not force the ball. So cuz that interception that he had is just it's just like damn, like you did not have to do that. And it kind of like sparked the Rams comeback. And maybe against the Rams are a good team, but like against like elite elite teams, like if if the if the Bills have like they have a solid roster and and they look good, if the Bills have aspirations to keep going further into the playoffs and potentially get to Super Bowls and, and do stuff like that, like those plays might deter you from the goals that you have. But at the same time, uh, you can't you know tell Josh Allen to just completely shut it down because that's that is what makes him great. You just hope that. His good plays outweigh his bad plays. Last season, especially in the playoffs, they didn't, or it looked iffy, like, Ugh. but now it does look like he's he's progressing towards, you know, being that quarterback that his good plays outdo his bad plays, and hopefully that's enough for the Bills. I do want to give the Bills credit for uh, for trading for Diggs. I feel like Diggs has changed Josh Allen, too, in, this, in the sense that it gives him more confidence. He has, like, a legit number one receiver. The Vikings were really, really lucky to have Diggs and Thielen at the same time. Diggs, Diggs might be the best route runner in the, in the NFL. Him, him, and uh, Keenan Allen are probably the best too. And uh, Devontae Adams, they're like really good route runners. Um, just got to give the Bills credit for not not settling and not just keeping you know the receivers that they had. They they knew they knew that Josh Allen has a lot of potential to be like a really good quarterback. And they didn't just sit there and, like, oh, hopefully he develops with what we have. They got rid of it first. They brought Diggs in. Now it just bolsters, like, like not just your number one receiver, but now your number two receiver well, used to be your one. He's your two now. So, like, just across across your whole depth chart, it just makes your wide receiver look – wide receiver corp look way better. And then it just keeps the defense honest. Diggs could go deep. He could, like, pick you apart in the, in the bottom. He was matched up against – uh. Jalen Ramsey for a part of the game, so he didn't have the best stats, but just the threat of digs kind of opens up everything. And I feel like that's what that's what uh, teams with young quarterbacks should do. You should always try to get your quarterback a weapon. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you, Jets. Get get Darnold the weapon. Like it's pathetic the wide receivers that that Darnold has with the Jets. I feel bad for the guy. He has like nobody. He has nobody to throw to. Jamison Crowder is like his star wide receiver and he could be like a number three on any other roster or on most rosters he'll be like a number three and he's their number one and now he's hurt so they have nothing 
So just gotta get that out of my chest. The Jets, what are you, what are you guys doing? Like, give him some help. Like the Cardinals, the Bills, they get it. They have young quarterbacks. They traded for Diggs. They traded for Hopkins. Jets, give Darnold some help. Just that's a little off topic, but I just want to give the Bills credit, and I just want to get that off my chest for for the Jets. Like, what are you doing? Like, give Darnold some 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 help. Um, the Bills look legit. The Bills look legit. Um, the Patriots also look legit. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be competitive to the end of the season. I did have the Patriots uh, keeping keeping their division crown. I do think they're gonna win. But after three weeks, the Bills the Bills are looking nice. The Bills are three and zero. They're number one in the division. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually hold on and win the division now that we're three weeks in. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with my pick. I'm gonna say that the Patriots win the division. But I do have the Bills having like the the highest seeding of the three uh, wild card wild card spots. But Bills are nice. They definitely have something with Josh Allen. They found their franchise QB after so many years. <laughs> like they've had like J J P Lozman, Fitzpatrick. Man, they just they've had so many so many quarterbacks go through there. And it just looks like they finally found their QB. Um, the other team in that game in that game was the Rams. They look good. Not gonna lie, uh, it looks like Sean McVay found his groove with with uh, with Jared Goff and his and his offense again. Like they look like a dominant offense again. They look like they found their run game. Henderson is looking like he's a good running back, so they could just run Henderson and do play action. And Goff looked like he's. He's not playing like last year. Last year he played really bad. That's why I thought they were going to be bad this year. I, I didn't have faith in Goff, but McVay is a great coach, and he has them playing good. And honestly, now that there's three wild card spots, the NFC West might send all three, might fill up all three wild card spots. Like all four teams might make the playoffs. Like I have the Seahawks winning the division, and I had the Niners making the wild card, and I had the Cardinals in the hunt on my predictions on my predictions uh podcast I think it was episode six where I did my prediction for the season I had I had the Seahawks winning the division Niners getting wild card Cardinals in the hunt and I had the Rams missing out but the way the way it's shaping out I Seahawks should win the division Rams are gonna be fighting for a wild card spot Cardinals are gonna be fighting for a wild card spot and and the and the Niners, if they could get through these injuries, they should be competing for a wild card spot too. So NFC West is definitely the best, the best division in the in the NFL. And they might just send all four teams to the playoffs, which would be crazy. It's the first year that it's actually possible since there's three wild card spots. But that would be crazy. That would be insane. And NFC West is definitely the best division in the in the NFL. <coughs> um. The the other game I wanted to talk about was uh, Titans versus Vikings. Vikings fall to zero and three. Tennessee goes to three and zero. Those teams I had, I, I hit on one of them and I missed on one of them. Uh, the Vikings came into the season having like high expectations. They finally won a playoff game with Kirk Cousins last year, and then they lost. But they got that monkey off their back. So a lot of a lot of people had them making that jump, being like real contenders this year. And then the Titans, they had a Cinderella like finish to last season, 
they gave Tannehill a big contract, and I, I wasn't a Tannehill believer. I thought he was going to digress or regress. I thought he was going to turn into the Dolphins' Tannehill, which was, like, all right, but not not worth all that money. And I was right about the Vikings. I said they're going to miss the playoffs, and they're 0-3 right now, and they have a chance to fall to 0-4. And I was wrong about the Titans. They're 3-0. and um, They're in the division lead. The Jaguars, I don't think they'll compete against against the Titans. The Texans are 0-3, so that's that's not going to happen. And the Colts are 2-1, and so that's their only competition. They, they're they 3-0. They, sh- they probably are going to make the playoffs. Three wildcard spots, probably nine wins gets you into the wildcard this year. And they're at three already. So I want to give Tannehill a shout-out or an apology for not believing in him. He has been playing great, great football. Derrick Henry finally got going. He had two touchdowns. He had like over 100 yards. And that offense is bal- is balanced. Once the uh, Titans get their wide receiver, AJ AJ Brown, I think, once he gets back from injury, that offense is going to keep getting better and better. So I was wrong about the Titans. I feel like I was wrong right about the Vikings. Um, Vikings are not going to make the playoffs. Vikings actually for week four, they play the Texans. And the Texans also had, uh, you know, championship, maybe not championship aspirations, but as the franchise should have felt like, you know, this was a year to make another leap and go further in the playoffs and another year with Watson. And now both the Vikings and the Texans are 0-3, and they play on week four. And I feel like whoever, whichever one of these teams falls to 0-4, their coach is not going to make it. Their coach is not going to make it to the end of the season, either Coach Simmer or... Um, who's who's a who's the coach for the Texans? I'm blanking out right now. He's he came he came from the page. Oh, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, or Coach Zimmer. Whoever loses this Week Four matchup, I predict that they're not gonna make it to the end of the season, and they might not even make it to their bye week, because both of these teams had championship as not championship, but like they're supposed to be in the playoffs. They had playoff aspirations minimum. They should both make the playoffs. I I did predict they're both gonna miss it, but as an organization, I know that they were going into the season as playoff teams. And for them to – one of them is going to fall to 0-4 unless there's a tie. There was a tie this week, but I highly doubt there's going to be one next week. So one of them's going to fall to 0-4, and that coach is not going to make it to the end of the season. They're going to be let go. Too much, too much expectations, not enough results. I do think the Vikings are going to win. I have the Texans going to 0-4, and I think – the Texans going to realize the mistake that they made by making Bill O'Brien their long-term head coach and by making him uh, their GM or something like that. He's a coach and a GM. So by by whenever their bye week is, I don't think he's going to be their head coach anymore. But yeah, that was the that was the Rams and the and the Bills. Great game. Another great game. Bears versus Falcons. My God, the Falcons. The Falcons. The Falcons just like torturing their fans. I feel so bad for Falcons fans. I used to be a Charger fan, so I I could kind of understand, like, <laughs> what the pain that you're going through. I remember as, uh, just – I don't want to talk about it, but being a Chargers fan, like, super bad playoff losses. <clears throat> <clears throat> giving away, like, big leads. I remember uh, they gave up, like, a huge lead to Peyton Manning. In San Diego, like, they were up 24, and he just came back and trashed them. But 
the Falcons just take it to an, a whole another level. Um, and the fact that they lost twenty, they were leading the Patriots twenty-eight to three in the Super Bowl, and they blew that. And then I think last week they were leading twenty-eight to three against the Cowboys. They had a ninety-nine point nine probability of winning, and they lost. And then they follow that up this week, leading the Bears twenty-six to ten in the fourth quarter, and they blew that lead too. Uh, I feel bad for Falcons fans. I feel really bad for Falcons fans. They're they must be going through a lot of pain. Like the Falcons are not helping their mental health. Like if you like, I'm I would feel crushed if I was a Falcons fan, especially because they ended the season well last year. They have a lot of like good players, especially on the offensive side. Julio Jones, Ridley, they got Gurley. Matt Ryan's not a terrible QB. He's, like, pretty good. They probably felt optimistic going into the season, and now they're 0-3. Their season's pretty much over. I don't have them coming back from 0-3. 99.9% of winning the game last week. 99.6% of winning the game this week. It's just, it's, it, might, it must be exhausting. It must be so painful. I feel for Falcons fans. It's just terrible. They're the first team in NFL history to blow 16-point leads in back-to-back weeks. <clears throat> I think I saw a stat that said in, 20, in the last 20 years, no team has, has blown uh, multiple 16-point leads in the fourth quarter in a season, like in a whole season. The last 20 years, no one's done that, and the Falcons did it in back-to-back weeks. <laughs> it's, just, it's just insane. Like, what makes it even, even like harder to digest if you're a Falcons fan is that it was against the Bears. And the Bears are 3-0, and but they started the game with Mitchell Trubisky as their starting quarterback. And he is garbage. He's terrible QB. have no faith in Trubisky. He can't read defenses. He, he can't progress from one read to the next. He's just a terrible QB. I don't know why they keep giving him chances. He, they should get rid of him. They should just own up that they didn't draft Watson or Mahomes. Just... Move on. Move on from Trubisky. He's not going to be your guy. He might have some physical talents, and he might be able to run, But and, and that's where the NFL is moving towards. But he's not going to be your quarterback. Just get it through your head. Move on from him. But the Bears started Trubisky. They did a quarterback change. He was playing so bad that they had to put in um, Nick Foles. <clears throat> and then even, even after that, like – He's driving the Bears down. He throws this pass to Allen Robinson. It looks like Allen Robinson has a touchdown. And then the Falcons snatch the ball in the end zone. And then they, they at first, I think they called it a touchdown. And then after replay, because every scoring drive, every scoring uh, play gets reviewed, they, they gave the interception to the Falcons. So they wiped out the touchdown and they gave the Falcons the ball at, in their own 20. And when that happened, I was like, okay, this game's over. Like, that was. That that had to go the Bears' way for them to make a comeback, especially because they hadn't really been doing much on the offensive side again because Trubisky was playing and he can't do he can't do much for you. And then they lost they lost Cohen. He he tore his ACL. So like bad things were happening for the Bears. Trubisky was playing. Cohen was hurt. They took a touchdown away from Allen Robinson, and they still came back on the Falcons. Like what what's going on with them? How do you not? And and this is why people give uh, Shanahan a lot of a lot of slack for blowing that lead against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. It might just be the franchise. It might just be the head coach. He might just have to look at the head coach and blame it on him. 
and not in Shanahan because Shanahan is a great head coach. And I, I'm not really going to talk about the, the 49ers game this week. They played the Giants and they trashed them. Shout out to the Niners. They have like 10 players on IR or like a lot of big name players that didn't play and they just whooped the Giants. It might say more about the Giants. Just The Giants are just a mess. I feel sorry if you live in New York and you're a football fan. Like you, you're either peeking the Jets or the Giants and they're both trash. But uh, I still can't wrap my head around the Falcons. Like even even when the comeback started, the Bears tried to just they were down 16 and it was the fourth quarter. So naturally, you're going to go for two point two point uh, conversions on your two touchdowns and try to just make it a two touchdown game. And they they didn't convert their two point conversion on the first touchdown they made. So it became a 10 point game. So it was still a two possession game. It became, they, they got two touchdowns. They got three touchdowns, actually, but. Once they didn't convert that first two-point possession um, conversion, it should have brought, like, more life to the Falcons, knowing that, like, okay, it's still a 10-point game. It's not an eight-point game, and, and we're just holding on to a one-possession game. It's still a two-possession game. We're in the fourth quarter. Let's just get a couple first downs, and let's get out of here. Let's get our first victory, and let's, you know, kickstart this season and hopefully turn it around. But, nope, blew it, blew the lead. And then once the Bears scored, it was like, okay, we still got time. We still got timeouts. Matty Ice, let's see what you can do. And nope. He throws a, he throws a pick and just ends the game right there. Ah, it was just, it must be so exhausting being a Falcons fan. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone's listening and is a Falcons fan, I feel for you, man. Like, you shouldn't be going through this. This is, this is terrible. It's very heartbreaking. Even as a neutral fan, I'm a free agent fan, and I was like, oh, that hurts. That hurts watching what just happened. But uh, like I said, the takeaways I had from this game, Trubisky's trash. That's 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 my number one takeaway. He's, he can't he can't read defenses. He's not a quality QB. He, sh- he should be a backup the rest of his career unless he makes, like, huge improvements. Nick Foles should be the – I think they just Nagby um, did announce that he's going to be the quarterback moving forward. The Bears, I think they're still pretenders. They have a good defense, three and zero. Just, just, just the simple fact that they started three and zero, they they might sneak into the playoffs. Um, especially now that there's an extra wild card spot. So, if you're a Bear fans, you should be happy. You're three and zero. The right quarterback is playing now, and. Uh, he made a nice comeback, so that should be good for the morale. If you're the Falcons, blow blow it up, man. Matty Ice, he's he's getting old. He's maybe like 33 or 34 now, maybe older. Um, <clears throat> fire your head coach. Once once that comeback happened, I was like, honestly, they shouldn't even let him. I think his name's Quinn, Dan Quinn, or something like that. They should just fire him on the spot. Like they shouldn't even let him walk to the locker room and give a a speech. Like just fire him on the spot. Like you can't blow a Super Bowl lead, back to back weeks. It's just, it's so bad. I would fire him on the spot. They need, I, he needs to go. They need, they need something new. <clears throat> um, another game that I I really enjoyed uh on this weekend that just passed, Cowboys versus Seahawks. Great game. Great great game. Like I said, the Seahawks are. In the hardest division in the NFL, NFC West is a great is the best division by far. Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. 
I wouldn't be surprised if all four teams made the playoffs. <clears throat> I do have I do have the Seahawks getting the number one seed and getting a bye and making it all the way to the Super Bowl. So that's I, I predicted that before the season started. Wilson for MVP and he he just broke the record for most touchdowns, most thrown touchdowns in the first three weeks of the NFL season. He has 14, I believe the record was 12 or 13 um, by Mahomes. So he just passed him. He he looks amazing. Like he finally has a legit like big wide receiver weapon, Metcalf. He still has uh, um, what's his name, uh, Lockett. He still has Lockett. Uh, he can make it work with like any tight end. He's he's really good at just distributing the ball to his tight end. The run game, it'll it'll get it'll get going. Um, the Seahawks look dangerous. I think Adams got hurt. Uh, I haven't checked if if he's fine, but Wilson has big enough shoulders to carry the load in the regular season. They will need Adams in the playoffs, but Wilson Wilson is just a star right now. It's it's amazing. it's crazy that he he has never even received one vote as an MVP in the like eight year career that he's had. But this year he's coming. He looks like he's the best QB in the league. Uh, a lot of people said Mahomes. A lot of people think Mahomes is the best QB, and, and there's a big gap between him and the rest of the league. I say no. I say Wilson's right there. He's he's as good a quarterback as Mahomes, and on his day he might just be even better. Like Wilson is the truth. I love Wilson. He's He's a baller. He's so good. Um, Metcalf, he he had a touchdown catch, like a long touchdown catch, and he got like complacent. He thought he had dusted his defender, so he was just holding the ball really loose. Defender comes out, punches him, goes into the end zone, goes through the back of the end zone, and they get a touchback. He'll learn from that. It's good that it happened during the regular season. It's good that they were able to get the win. And then afterwards, they talked about how like uh, Wilson went up to Metcalf and he's like, "Hey, you know, you can't lose your concentration. You gotta take it. You gotta finish every play." And then Metcalf, it looked like he took it good. He was like, "You know what? You're right. Like that was my fault. I apologize. It won't happen again." And I, f- I do think, I think Wilson's a good enough leader. Whereas when he t- comes up to you and he tells you that, "Hey, you can't be fucking up like that. You gotta keep it together. You gotta focus." He's a good enough. He's a great leader. And I feel like he he's approachable and he knows how to talk. He knows how to communicate. Where Metcalf won't take that in the wrong way. He'll be like, "Hey, I got you. Like, I'm gonna be focused for the rest of the game, for the rest of the season, for the rest of my career." So I think it was it was it was a it was a good thing that it happened in the regular season, and they were able to get the win, and they got that out of the way. And now Metcalf probably has like a a way better mentality. Like now he's like, "All right, like they're right, like." That was that was dumb. I don't want to look dumb again. Like I'm gonna learn from this. <clears throat> as far as the Cowboys, um, they're one and two now, and they're tied for the division lead in the week NFC East. And honestly, if I'm being serious, if I'm being honest, they're probably gonna win that division. The 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 Eagles look horrible. Freaking Wentz looks like a. Wentz is starting to look like Trubisky. He's he's playing terrible. Um, the one the one question I have is for Prescott. Like, is he gonna regret not signing that big extension that the Cowboys offered him in the offseason? I feel like he is. He, I mean, if you just look at his stats, he's uh he's not doing bad. He actually has like pr- like really good numbers, but the team is one and two, and the team is loaded with talent. And part of the reason that they didn't give him the contract or, like, the contract he wanted in the offseason is because, like, the eye test 
the eye test is still not there. Or, like, he's not winning you games that, like, other quarterbacks would win you. And I know a lot of people got high on Mahomes. I'm not on Mahomes, on uh, Prescott when he brought them back against the Falcons. But, you know, the Falcons just gave up a similar lead to fours. So it kind of, it kind of like, dimmers the light that was being put on Prescott for what he did. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if Foles could do it, all right. Like, not to take anything away from Foles, he, he's a Super Bowl MVP, but he, objectively, he's not, like, an elite quarterback. He's, he just has his moments. So if Foles could do that, then it kind of, like, takes a little bit of the shine away from Prescott for doing it a week earlier. And now these are the games that you want your quarterback to win against the Seahawks, and he couldn't do it. So, like, is is he gonna regret it? Like, they might make the playoffs as an eight and eight team or like a nine and seven team just because the division winner goes to the playoffs. So that he he might get them in the playoffs, and then once they get in the playoffs, anything could happen. But if they miss the playoffs in the weak NFC East, the Cowboys are not gonna give him the contract that he wants, and he might have just missed out on a lot of money. Um, so hopefully, for his sake, he, he the team starts performing better. And they get some wins going, but uh, I don't see it. I think the NFC East is the worst division in football. I don't think uh, they're going to have a team get 10 wins in that division. 9-7 and seven is like the cap for whoever wins that division. They're just a, just a bad division. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he gets his money. I mean, he, he, he did get a little greedy, so... <laughs> I can't I can't feel bad for the man if he doesn't get his money. Like they offered you like 120 or more with like a lot of it guaranteed and you didn't take it. So if you don't get your money, you're the only one to blame. Um another game, well the last two games that I want to talk about, Packers and Saints and uh Chiefs and Ravens. Quickly, Packers and Saints. Uh Packers won 37-30. Uh Drew Brees looked old. Drew Brees looks old. Uh, I have a I have a Saints fan, my boy Sag, and he's ready to he's ready to just give up on on Drew Brees. He's ready to just move on. He like he's like, man, I don't care. I don't care what he's done for us, which is kind of crazy. But he said that he's like, I don't care what he's done for us. And man has a noodle arm. Like man, he's so washed. Like get him out of there. And I think he likes uh, Hill a lot, the backup QB or like the gadget, whatever they have. And he messed up on the on the game too, and it kind of like turned the game around when he when he fumbled. But the Saint, I don't think the 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 main the main problem for the Saints, I don't think is their offense, or I don't think it's Drew Brees. I think it's uh their defense. Their defense can't stop anybody. Like they made they made Derek Carr look like a awesome franchise quarterback. They they, they had they had Carr talking about uh oh I, I'm I'm going to play the rest of my career here for the for the Raiders after Monday night. Uh, two weekends ago, <laughs> and so the only reason he said that is because he felt good. He's like, man, that was a good Monday night performance. Like, yeah, I could I could go up to the podium and say, I'm gonna be playing the rest of my career here, and then he goes and plays the Patriots and he gets humbled and he he basically looked like Derek Carr again. So I think that shows that the Saints don't have a good don't have a good defense. They they are missing uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, one of the best wide receivers in the league, if not the best one. So I think that will help him once once he comes back. But like I said, the main def- the main the main problem for the for the Saints is not is not their offense, even though they have been struggling. Don't get me wrong. 
but their main problem is their defense. They just can't stop anybody. They they can't generate enough pass rush. They, the cornerbacks are bad. It's just it's looking like they're gonna struggle this season if they don't get it together. And it's crazy because I think Drew Brees was considering retiring, and he he came back just because he thought like he had a good team and they could run it back, and this could be their year. But it's not looking so good, man. Like their only victory was against the Patriots. I mean, not the Patriots, the Bucks. In week one, when they were barely getting their feet wet or getting together and seeing how they were going to play with Brady and their new system. So, I mean, Saints Saints might be in trouble, man. They might not make the playoffs. I'm not I'm not hopping off yet. I, I think they'll turn it around. I think they'll still make the playoffs. And I think, like, by week eight, they might be, like, five and three and or, like, six and two around, around – not six and two, but, like, five and three, five and four, turning their season around starting to get some strides. I'm not going to jump off yet. I think Drew Brees still has one good year in him. I feel like he's going to turn it around. Once Michael Thomas comes back, he's going to change everything, and their offense is going to start look, looking like the Saints' offense again. But I could be wrong. He might be over the hill. He might be done. And it might be turn. <laughs> they might have to put oh, Winston in, which would be crazy. But as far as the Packers go, they're 3-0. and And they're in good position to uh, to get the bye week in the NFC. Uh I'm guess my my pick was was the Seahawks. I think they're gonna get the bye week, but the Seahawks play in the hardest division in football, so they got to play the Rams twice, Cardinals twice, and the 49ers twice. So that's six really tough games. Whereas the Packers, they got the 0 and 3 Vikings, they got the 1 and 2 Lions, and they got the Nick Foles 3 and 0 Bears. So easier division. Um, like they already beat the Saints which was one of the teams that was going to compete for the number one seed theoretically before the season so who, who's really left who's really left to compete for that number one seed Seahawks like I said if, iffy because they're in a tough division um, and, and nobody from their from their division is going to really challenge them except the Bears but I don't believe I, they have it's, it's fours against um Rodgers so obviously I'm gonna go with Rodgers and then from the Saints division the Bucks could theoretically push him for that number one seed and then who's the other one south east east the east is just terrible so it does look like if you're a Packer fan it could be good for you it looks like three and no great start to the season and it looks like you guys are on track to get that number one seed so shout out to all the Packer fans out there it's looking like it's going to be a good season. Rodgers is looking great. Um, this might be the year he gets his second his second chip. Last game I want to talk about, just real quick, Chiefs versus Ravens. It's basically the Chiefs, and then it's everybody else. The Chiefs, <laughs> the Chiefs just dismantled the Ravens, which are supposed to be like the second-best team in the AFC, maybe the second-best team in the league, and they just looked outclassed. It didn't look like they really had a chance. You could just tell it's the Chiefs and then everybody else. Um, they should be the Super Bowl favorites to repeat again. Mahomes is a monster. He's the best QB in the league. Him and Russell Wilson could duke it out. But Mahomes has a way better team, just top to bottom. That offense, Andy Reid is a genius. Um, I did have him winning. I did have him winning the Super Bowl. I had the Seahawks against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And Mahomes getting his second <clears throat> his second uh, ring. Um, and uh, as far as the Ravens go, 
they're they're a good team too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but the Chiefs are just way ahead of them. Mahomes outclassed Jackson. The last two MVPs going at it. I think Mahomes had five touchdowns and and Jackson had like one or two. But it, like you could just tell that there's there's levels to this. There's like there's Mahomes and then there's Jackson. And Jackson needs still needs a lot of growing to do as a thrower. That offense needs to evolve more still. Um, I think I think the Ravens should trade for a wide receiver to like really give Mah- um, Jackson like that help that he needs to take that next step or to really like open up that offense and have like a legit number one. Uh, I was looking at their depth chart and they have like Hollywood Brown, Sneed, Boykin. Like man, like Hollywood is cool. He's fast. He's all right. A Boykin, he's like, all right, he's, he's not bad, he's all right. Sneed, it's just another wide receiver that's like bounced around the league. I remember him with the Saints, he was he was all right. But none of those, none of those three wide receivers like worry you or like you're not like, damn, man, we're playing against Boykin this weekend. Like, what are we gonna do? Or we're playing against Sneed this weekend. Like, damn, like get our best cornerback on him get a safety over the top like no like none of these wide receivers like really were you and i think that's stopping the ravens from taking that next step to being like a, a legit like championship contender or it's 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 putting a cap on how good jackson could be because he doesn't have that wide receiver that demands double coverage that opens up everything else so if i'm the ravens i'm trading for a wide receiver that's that's like the next step in your puzzle you got to get a number one receiver to help Jackson, like I like I was giving the Bills credit for for trading for Diggs. I was giving the um, the Cardinals credit for trading for Hopkins, and I was telling the Jets like, "Yo, you guys need to get uh, Darnold some help." And I mean, Jackson has better wide receivers than what Darnold has, but like they're they're like I mean, there there's no household name there. I I do have like uh, ideas for who they should trade. Like I made a little list. Number one, I think the the number one receiver that they should trade for is Allen Robinson. Um, there has been speculation that he wants to leave, and he wants a contract extension. He wants to get paid, so that might be an option. But the Bears are three and zero, so that might be hard. I like I don't. If the Bears were like zero and three or one and two, that might be easier. But since they're three and zero, they might have like some confidence that they can make some noise this year. So that might not like you know materialized just because they're 3-0 another another option i have is odell beckham like there was rumors too that he wanted to move on or that the browns wanted to move on from them so i would i would i would make those calls i would call the bears i would call the browns yo what's up like can i get your wide receivers if not Devonte parker that might that might be a little easier to pull off but he's a big body he's 6-3 he could run i think he ran like a 4-4 he could stretch the field he's definitely better than what they have right now and then some other options that I have, uh, DJ Moore. He's very young, and then, and he's like around the same age as McCaffrey. So I don't think the Panthers will trade him. But you never know. I would make that call. And then another one that I was thinking of was Julio Jones. Really look like he's really looks like he's ready to just take that number one spot. He looks like he's ready to. I think he's in his third year, and it's usually when they make that leap of like really, really like a lot of improvement. So. And the, and the Falcons are three and zero oh and three, and they might fall to zero oh and four. And then at that point, the season's done. They might fire their coach. They might fire their GM. They might blow that thing up. So, 
if I'm the if I'm the Ravens, like those are the teams I'm calling. I'm calling the Bears. I'm calling the Browns. I'm calling the um the Dolphins, the Panthers, and the Falcons. And I'm like, yo, let me get a wide receiver. And you might be able to just give some of your parts because the Falcon the the Ravens do have a good team, so they have parts all over the place. So um, you know, they they could they could they could figure out a package to get to get a Jackson Sun help. But yeah, that was that was my takeaways from uh from week two of the NFL season. Really, really, really I mean week three. I keep seeing week two, it's week three. Um it was a really good uh it was a really good weekend of football. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. The season's going great. There's been a lot of good games, a lot of comebacks, a lot of crazy like a lot of crazy um scores already, like comebacks. It's just been a really good season. I'm so glad football's back. It basically fills up my whole Sunday. Like, don't bother me on Sunday. I'm gonna be watching football. Um, also, I wanted to talk about uh, just quickly uh, match day three for the EPL. Um, it was, it was a there was a lot of controversy um, this week in the EPL, or maybe just this whole season, uh, mainly with the handballs, like. I think they they changed the rules. Whoever's in charge of changing rules made hand, handballs like way easier to call for refs. Like it, it said, if it's in an unnatural movement and it hits your hand, then it's a penalty. And like just these refs have been just pushing that to boundaries that it shouldn't be pushed. Like defender's not even looking; he's jumping. Like obviously his arms are not going to be next to his body. They're calling penalties. It's it's influencing the game. It's it's causing ties to go to wins, wins to get pushed further. It's just it's not good for the sport. Like two coaches have already spoken out on it, and even coaches that have benefited from it have have spoken out on how the handballs need to change. And first and foremost, before we talk about like the games that happen, I agree with that. Like you can't like the ref controls so much of the game in soccer, especially because it's low scoring. Um, for the most part, like games are usually decided by one goal, and whoever scores like a goal, like a goal in soccer is such a momentum shifter, like it forces the other team to come out of their shell, or it gives you that confidence to like you know what we got a lead, we could play more confidently, like we could push forward knowing that we have a lead. It just, it just changes everything. So to just be giving out penalties for like really small handball offenses. Is, is annoying it's bad it's bad for the sport i think today or yesterday uh it did got mentioned that they talked to the refs and they told them to be more lenient to not be so strict on that handball rule so hopefully uh we see some improvement on match day four and going forward because if it keeps going like this i know it's going to turn off a lot of fans or like a lot of maybe casuals that don't understand what's going on like it just doesn't make sense to be calling penalties for no reason and I know coaches are going to get mad. I know players are going to get mad. And it's just not a good look for the league. It's not a good look for soccer. So hopefully they're, they're able to fix that handball issue. It, uh, it's, it's a bad rule. It's a bad rule. And they need to uh, they need to change that. But, yeah, some takeaways from match day three. Uh, EPL, yeah, man. EPL gets the most coverage uh, here in the U.S. as far as, like, uh, leagues, worldwide leagues. Uh La Liga's cool. Mm, I, I love Real Madrid. Barcelona's cool. Uh usually Spain dominates um European tournaments. But EPL is definitely like 
the funnest league to watch. I just wanted to say that real quick. But some takeaways from match day three. Everton won, and now they're like a... They're tied with uh, Liverpool and Leicester for the lead. Nine, nine points out of nine points. Uh, that's crazy. Like, especially if you watched Everton play last last year. They weren't a good team. Um, Ancelotti couldn't get his system working with them. I think he got brought in half, like, in the middle of the season last year. So, you know, he it's kind of hard to make stuff happen when you just come in in the middle. But now he brought Hamas in. He brought a couple other players in. And Everton looks good, man. They look they're they're fun. Their forward is like scoring goals for fun. It looks like a good team. They're just worried about the league. They don't have like European tournaments to worry about. The league and cups. Their squad is not that deep, so I think that really helps them. And Ancelotti is getting them to play like really, really good. Hamas is a star. He's finally like he has his team again. He's like at Real Madrid, he was just another player. At Everton, he's their player. Like, they build around him, and it's great to see him shine. He, he's made some, like, lovely, like, just scintillating passes that you, you see him make, and you're like, man, like, hey, good for him. He's making some good he's making some good plays. So I'm happy for Hamas. I've always been a Hamas fan. Not always, but, like, since he broke into, the into, into like, you know, the limelight, like, on 2014 World Cup, I've always liked his game. He, he's, like, very fun player to watch. He's like smooth with his movements. He he plays very calm. So very happy for him. Uh, happy for Everton too. I, before I had an EPL team, uh, Everton was one of those teams that I, I kind of like rooted because they they did bring in uh, Donovan, Landon Donovan for a little bit, and they had uh, they had Tim Howard there for a while. So I was one. Of, I never considered myself a Everton fan, but I I always like kept an eye on them or like. I like watching their games, so good for Everton. Nine out of nine. It looks like they're gonna be up there. Like, unless unless some players get injured, they should they should be a competitive team like for the rest of the season. So good for them. Shout out to Ancelotti, ex Real Madrid coach. He won us the Champions League, if I remember correctly. Shout out to him. I hope he turns his career around, and like you know, I hope he he stays in Everton for a while and he has like you know a successful spell. And Everton was always one of those teams that that was. For a while, they were always, like, one of those teams that was right be- right beneath, like, the top six in the EPL and always, like, competing, like, to push for Europa or maybe ch- push for Champions League. They're always like that. Or at least for me, I was that was that they were, like, one of the first teams that I thought of after, like, the top six. And unfortunately, they haven't been doing that well in the last couple of years, but it does look like they're turning it around and they're going to have a good season, and I'm pretty happy about that. Um... One game that surprised me was actually Chelsea versus West Brom. I had Chelsea competing for the EPL title this year. I said it was going to be a three-horse race, and then everybody else. I said Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea. Chelsea made some really good signings this year, um, or big signings. So I thought, like, damn, like they finished they finished the year pretty good last year. They had a ban last year, so they couldn't really bring in players. Is Lampard is gonna you know take another step of coaching this year, and man, West Brom is supposed to be like a, a bottom of the barrel team in the EPL. The first two weeks they got trashed. They look like going into this week, West Brom looked like they were for sure gonna get relegated. Like in my mind, I'm like, all right, West Brom is gonna get relegated. They're 
Their defense sucks. They haven't been playing good. They look like they're just in the EPL for vacation. Like, they came up for one year, and now they're going back down, and thank you very much. So before before the Chelsea played West Brom, I, I, I hit up my, my soccer homies on group text, and I was like, damn, I, I have Chelsea putting four, four on them, like minimum. And then I think West Brom went up 3-0. And, I mean, good for Chelsea for coming back and at least getting a point. But that shouldn't happen against West Brom. Like, you sh- that's a team that you can't draw points on, especially if you have championship aspirations. And, and, I mean, to be honest, those championship aspirations might just be top four aspirations at this point because the defense doesn't look good. Thiago Silva, you're not in, in the French League no more. You're in the EPL. This is more competitive. You can't be last of days ago with your passes. Ugly, ugly mistake by Thiago Silva. He's supposed to come in there and be a veteran presence in the in the in the back. They have like Christensen, Suma, like a bunch of young defenders. Ake. Or no, Ake's with City, my bad. But they have Suma, they have Christensen, like young center backs. Thiago Silva was supposed to come in and be that rock. And they gave him the captain band and he messed up and um, I'm sure he'll bounce back, hopefully. But there's a lot of people that are already slandering him, already telling him, like, yo, this is not the French League. You're not playing with farmers no more. This is the EPL. You got to get it together. And if he flops, then Chelsea's title chances take a big hit because I thought Thiago Silva still had a, uh, some gas in him. Like, he, he, could still has, he still has some thread on his career, and he was actually going to help him on defense. But if he's causing them mistakes and, and he's not the player that I thought he was going to be for them, then that back four looks really, really weak. And that, that's probably going to hold them back this season. And with that being said, I also want to apologize to the MLS. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I have said that that the defense across the world of sports, of soccer, has been, like, going down. I feel like defense defenses are just, like, just not good anymore. Or, like, there's a lot of mistakes. And... Especially when they happen in the in the MLS, I just I just harp on like damn, like these mistakes are only being made in the MLS. And like they look like elementary mistakes and then it just reiterates the idea that I have in my head that the MLS is bad or like not a quality league. So uh maybe those mistakes are just common and they happen all over the world because I mean Thiago Silva had a howler of a mistake and uh Liverpool against Arsenal. I'll talk about that game in a little bit, but uh, Robertson had tried to try to clear the ball and it goes the opposite way, and and uh, Arsenal gets like a a tap in goal basically, and and the Manchester City defense just looks clumsy and they cause three penalties and they look just super disorganized in the back and just clumsy is probably the best word to describe City like defense like they couldn't get out out of the way of players they're just clipping them in the back. And uh, if you put those mistakes from those big three teams in in the EPL, and you put like if you put and you put like LA Galaxy like uniforms on them, or you put like you know uh, some earthquake uniforms on them, and those same mistakes happen, I would have harped on that mistake way harder. I would have been like, man, I would have I would have seen the clip and I would have been like, what's going on? Like this vintage MLS with terrible mistakes. And I feel like uh, maybe that just happens everywhere, and and I just harp on it more on the MLS. I know 
for sure it does happen more in the MLS. I don't want to just give them so much credit. I'm like, okay, it just happens everywhere. But I do harp on it way more in the MLS. And if like the top three teams in the EPL are having these mistakes too, then maybe I should relax a little bit when, when they happen in the MLS. Because if Thiago Silva and players in Man City and one of the best left backs in the world are having these mistakes, I should just, you know, accept the fact that mistakes like that happen. And if they happen a little bit more in the MLS, you know, that's fine. That's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll back off the MLS for a little bit. But speaking of the Man City mistakes, they got destroyed by Leicester. Um, Leicester's a really good team. And once Madison gets fully fit, they, they, they're, they're definitely going to push for top four again. Last season, they kind of blew, they kind of blew it. They were top four like the whole season. And then at the end, they, I think they finished fifth. But they have a quality team. Um, Brendan Rodgers, he's a good coach. I've always liked him since he was with Liverpool. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get them that that uh, that EPL um, trophy when he was there. He I think he was the closest um, before Klopp that actually got them to like oh, almost getting it. I know. I think he was a coach when they choked choked that big lead like at the end of like I forgot what season it was, but you guys know what what season I'm talking about when. It looked like Liverpool was going to win, and they, they fucked it up. But he's a good coach. He's good for Leicester. Like I said, Man City's defense is terrible. They look super sloppy in the back. Pep Guardiola has never really like been a coach that focuses on defense. He focuses on possession and like being able to break down a defense and having like really good quality offensive players. And then he just has, like for the most part, he plays a high-press back four. But they look clumsy. Leicester exposed them. Leicester looked very uh, smooth going forward. And that that Man City defense didn't really look like they could stop him. And honestly, it, it, it could be a long season for Man City if they don't shore up that back line. And they're already six points behind Liverpool. They have one game less played, so they could just push it to three. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if they... Uh, we'll see if they... Uh, we'll see if uh, they're able to... Uh, catch up to Liverpool. They they definitely got to do something about their defense, though. They can't just move forward like that. There, there's no way they're going to compete for the title if they just keep that defense. Um, it looks like they don't have a leader back there, Fernandinho, but he's he should be playing CDM. That's not his natural position. Uh, Laporte, like, they need to get somebody there that just, you know, says, hey, this is my defense. Listen to me. And, like, this is how we're going to play. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to – Vardy scored a hat-trick. Hattrick, he's he's a man. He's so good. Um, two of them were penalties, and then another one was a just a beautiful finish. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful finish with his back heel. Ederson didn't know what was going on. Just Vardy's so nice. He's class. Respect for Vardy for just staying with Leicester and you know not leaving after their Cinderella season. And he his I mean if you guys don't know his story, just real quick, he was like in the fourth division. And he just kept at it, kept at it, and then came up with Leicester. And then now he's in the national team. He's one of the best forwards in the EPL. So I'm happy for Vardy. He's a great player. I'm happy for Leicester. They're they're another team that's, like, really easy to root for just because of how they build their team and how they came up. So happy for them. Um, Another team that's pretty easy to root for would be my Wolves. I know a lot of people say that that they're they're a fun team to watch. They're easy to root for, and they got trashed 0-4 this week. 
So much pain. So much pain. Like, I was so hurt watching that game. It's probably the worst game I've ever seen from the Wolves with Nuno as the head coach. Um, they look kind of lifeless going forward. They don't. They look like they're running out of ideas as the game is going forward. Like, like they don't know how to break down the defense. They look uninspiring going forward. Um, they, they need help in the back four. I feel like the defense is weak. I've been saying that. Um, the only one that I really, really like is Cody, and he just got a contract extension, but... The other ones, Bali and and size, like they're they're cool, but I think they need to go out and get like a quality center back to really like fortify the back, because giving up four goals to West Ham, that's just unacceptable. It's a bad look for the Wolves. I think it's their worst loss since they've been up in the EPL like two years ago. It was just it was a hard game to watch. Thankfully, it was on Sunday. So I had I had the Wolves game like on my laptop I think and I had um the football playing on the TV. So it was I was like, all right, the Wolves <laughs> the Wolves are playing like shit. I'm like, let me just uh focus on football real quick and then I'll go back and I'm like, damn, they're still playing like shit. <laughs> so it was it was just a bad ninety minutes for the Wolves. Um they didn't really get nothing going forward. It, it, like I said, it was just a bad game. I don't wanna harp on it too much because it hurts to talk about it. Um yeah, like going into they they did an okay showing against City the second half especially first half was bad, um, match day number two, and then I follow this like beat writer for the Wolves I forgot his name but he was saying that losing to City is not gonna define your season like these next four or five games and then he listed like the five teams that they were playing after City which was like West Ham and then like middle like basically middle tier teams. He was saying, like, th- that's what's going to define our season, how how we perform on these next five weeks. And I was I agreed with that after match day two. I'm like, yeah, like, there's nothing wrong about losing the city. Like, they're a title contender, and we're, like, a mid-table team or upper upper mid-table team. So, like, yeah, like, on, on uh, we should always want to beat city, and we have in the past, but if we lose to them, it's not the end of the world. And I was like, yeah, these next five games should, like, that's what's going to define our season. And to start these this five game stretch and get trashed four zero is is worrisome. So I hope uh, Nuno turns it around and they bounce back next week. But ah, uh, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. I uh, for the most part, I the soccer teams I follow before the woes are America and Mexico and Real Madrid and and Spain. So I'm always like a front runner, or I've always rooted for like the teams that are at the top of their respective leagues. I mean, Real Madrid has had some bad stretches in La Liga, but for the most part, they they win most of their games just because they're Real Madrid or they're America, so they have like pretty good seasons. So Wolves is like one of the first mid-table teams that I've actually become a fan on. So, like, damn, this is rough. <laughs> Being, seeing, seeing your team get trashed 4-0 is not fun. But, you know, last game I wanted to talk about was uh, Liverpool versus Arsenal. Game of the week. Game of the week for the EPL match day three. Uh, they both came in undefeated, 2-0. Arsenal had looked good. They killed West Brom on week one. And that was kind of like, okay, like, they're going to have a good season. And then Liverpool started started kind of slow against Leeds, I think. But then last week they looked good against uh, Chelsea. So there was a lot of hype coming into this week. 
Arsenal versus Liverpool. It was going to be a good barometer for both teams. Like, is, if Liverpool takes care of Arsenal, um, then they just took care of uh, they just took care of a good team, and then you know it, it looks good for their chances going forward. And then if Arsenal plays good against Liverpool, not even if they don't beat Liverpool, but if they play good, then you're like, okay, Arsenal are on their way back to being like a top four team. And Robertson had like a very bad mistake that led to the first goal from Arsenal. And then after that, Arsenal had maybe like one or two chances the rest of the game. They didn't play bad, but Liverpool did look class. They did look like the better team. And uh, it uh, reassured me that I had them picking the league at the beginning. And after watching everybody everybody play, Chelsea's weak back four, uh, Man City's weak back four, uh Liverpool has their has their own mistakes in the back, don't get me wrong, but comparing their back four with the other contenders back four, Liverpool still comes out of top and they have a f- really good offense. They just got Hota from my Wolves and he scored on his opening on his opening game. So I'm really happy about that. Quality signings by Liverpool. Um they added depth. Um I think now they have the roster to compete in all the tournaments that they're going to be uh competing in whether it's the cups in England, EPL, Champions League, whatever tournament they're in, Liverpool has to go with the mentality that they're going to they're going to compete and uh and they're going to they should be the favorites. Like that's I feel like that's the mentality that they got to go in to any tournament that they play in this year. They have amazing players in their starting 11. They have quality depth. Their their captain's out right now, Henderson. They have probably the best keeper in the world or top two or three. I would say he's the best keeper in the world. They have the best defender in the world, Van Dijk. They have the best top three in the world in Mane, Salah, and Firmino. Firmino's been struggling, but Salah and Mane could carry that offensive three. They added Jota, who's going to be a great sub or starter in all these other tournaments. Liverpool... This they should have trouble season goals. Liverpool should go into the season expecting to come out with the trouble. Anything less, you can still have a good season just getting the EPL or getting Champions League, but they should have trouble season goals. That should be their goals for this season. It should be trouble. There's there's no reason why that shouldn't be the goal for Liverpool. They have quality team, probably the best coach in the, in the world. So yeah. Your Liverpool fan is look is looking real nice for you. It looks like your board is behind keeping Liverpool relevant and one of the best teams in the world. Quality signings, quality head coach, quality roster, great start of the season. Um, it's looking good for Liverpool. And those were my takeaways from uh from match day three. Liverpool should should be the favorites to win the season. Chelsea's back four looking weak. Man City's back four is looking weak. Leicester's a fun team. Happy for them. Everton's a fun team. Happy for them. Wolves, uninspiring performance. Very, very, very sad. So much pain watching them. But, yeah, uh, that was match day three for the EPL. And uh, this has been episode eight of the Hard to Handle podcast. Thank you so much. If you finished listening to all of this, thank you so much for listening to me. And uh, make sure that you watch game one of the NBA finals today and uh, go Lakers.